This is News Talk's SSE Airtricity League podcast coming up. Kevin Doherty on the week's events. And also we've got Paul Keegan and why he joined Waterford. It looks like they're going up. Stephen Bradley and John Caulfield along with Gerard Little and Liam Buckley as well. But just as we were planning the show, a certain bit of news broke. And that bit of news was that Stephen Kenny has signed an extension to his contract with Dundalk and he's staying on until 2020. I'm delighted to say that Stephen joins us now. Stephen, how are you? Hi, Shane. How are you? I'm very, very good. Obviously, if you've signed an extension to your deal, it suggests to me that you're very happy at Dundalk. You're very happy with where the club is going. Well, I think, uh, listen, um, you know, it's been a great journey over the last uh, few seasons with Dundalk Football Club. You know, I've been very privileged to be to be manager of the club. I think, um, um, like, I could have envisaged this is my fifth season you now. Uh, here at the, you know at the, at Dundalk and um, you know I think obviously you have to make decisions sometimes with um, with regard to obviously players want to know what your intentions are the owners of the club would want to know what your intentions are so certainly um, by making a firm commitment you know you, you sort of uh, let everyone know where you stand and uh, and where they stand and and um, you know, you can you can go ahead and, 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 and negotiate the players' contracts and so forth. And obviously, Stephen, like if you thought the Dundalk project was done, if you thought you couldn't bring them any further, I'm sure you had other options and other places you could go, but the fact that you have signed it suggests that you think there there is even more that you can get from this project because I know you're, you're a pretty ambitious guy, you're a pretty ambitious manager. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I still retain that ambition and, you know, I would like to manage at the highest level I possibly can. I think... Um, that's and you know, I have that understanding with 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 the owners of the club, and they understand that. I think, um, but my best way of doing that as Dundalk manager is, you know, it's aspiring to get back into the the highest level possible in European football, and I think that's what we must aspire to. I think, um, you know, we must every, everyone. You know, it's it's not easy. To, a lot of clubs have you know, have ambitions themselves in Ireland. But from from our point of view, from my and my point of view as a manager, I think having a packed Aviva Stadium for European football nights, that's really what I think is uh is the forefront of my mind, you know, in, in my decision to 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 stay at Dundalk. I think last season we experienced it with Legia Warsaw, um, you know, coming to uh coming and 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 uh, you know, such a great crowd in 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 the, in the national stadium, and we should have that more frequently. That's what we must aspire to. And I think we were obviously Kieran Kilduff hit the crossbar in in Norway two weeks ago, which would have meant we had a full house for Celtic in the Aviva um, last week. So th- those are the margins. I think um, you know, I think it's going to be good. Cork City, obviously. You know, are, are nailed on to win the league this season, so they'll be in the Champions League next year, but <clears throat> in the qualifiers. But from my point of view, air coefficient has certainly uh, has risen quite quite quickly. With it, with it. We've played 20 European games now uh, over the last few seasons. So mm. uh, between winning the domestic titles and... Um, I don't have, it's, it's measured over five years, or and we came from nowhere. Like, obviously, the club weren't in Europe. And, you know, we're bottom of the league and so forth. And, and so we, we've come from nowhere, really, to... To play twenty European games and and with the league titles under our belt, your coefficient rises. So, if we were to win it next year, 
Um, and when and when when one or two rounds in the in the Europa League, it's I'm informed that we will be seeded going forward. You know that that's that's how close our ranking is to being seeded. So certainly, um, these are things that that motivate me as a manager. Motivate your players. They want they want to be the play at the highest possible level that they can. And um, but uh, you know that is aspirational. Um, but it is realistic as well. But you know that that's for, that's over over a period of time. In the short term, we've got other things in our mind. We had a good week this week. We won in the league against Limerick, then we beat Galway in the in the League Cup. So we we've a big we've qualified for the League Cup final. So we've the FAI Cup against Derry on Sunday, which is a big game for both clubs and a tough tough type of both teams. Um, regards Dundalk in the future. I mean, it's something you kind of referenced throughout this year in the build-up to the Champions League and last year in the run that you were coming up against teams who out-resourced you financially no team in Ireland could live with them but you did on the pitch um, this year against Rosenberg maybe we were reminded of it again as, as to what Dundalk were actually up against when you compare their facilities to and I'm going to say ours because I mean it in a League of Ireland context um, and and I think there was a there was a quote bloody Oriel Park. Now I know you didn't mean that disrespectfully to Oriel Park, but what it said to me was that you weren't happy with the facilities. Is is that something that's a major part of this deal that you'll you'll you you know your facilities will be improved that that there'll be work on those because it it seems like it's it's kind of an integral part of your Dundalk project that those are things that will be worked on. Um. Yes, I think I think it's probably what other clubs have done is got got the local authority to build our stadiums for them and have no have very little cost involved and that's probably that's not a bad model. You yeah. know, that's what other clubs have done. They have no no cost involved in running their stadiums, etc. If you can have a government agency to uh to build your stadium for you, all the better. Or a county council, you know, um all the better. I think that's 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 there's nothing wrong with that model. You know, I think to have a, a CEO's cost Connected to your club as possible is a, is a reasonable model, um, and that happens in Europe as well. It must be said. But Dundalk, we don't have the luxury of that at Dundalk. No, nobody's given Dundalk anything. They've had to, um, you know, fight for everything. And I think um, it's a population of just over thirty thousand really in the town. So, on one hand, you're talking about competing against teams, but first of all, you got to compete against the biggest teams in Dublin, Cork, with a population of. Shane, you've been a Cork man. There's nearly 300,000 in Cork altogether, isn't there? There's an odd one there, Stephen. I follow Cork City because they were the first club I went to see regularly, but I'm actually from County Waterford. It's an odd one. Oh, I I do apologise. No, no, you're okay, because I've referenced being a Cork City fan, so I I understand why you think I'm from Cork. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, you know, so obviously, first of all, you've got to compete at that level, and then you're going against the top, the big European cities like Warsaw and St. Petersburg, and Tel Aviv, where we played last season, yeah. massive cities, and you're playing, you know, clubs from that ilk. So that's the challenge, and um, we've beaten and we've beaten and drawn with teams of of that ilk. So that's the challenge moving forward. We want to get better. I think <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ecstatic about the bloody Oriel uh, uh, reference uh, when I read it after the Rosenborg games because. That you know sounded somewhat disrespectful, but I think you know Oriel Park has been great uh, to me, and some of my some great nights we've had, some of the greatest nights 
um, winning league titles in Oriel Park and, yeah. and uh, some 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 amazing nights really. Um, you know, so I, I appreciate the the level of pas- passion that Oriel Park being a a city in the t- a stadium in the middle of the town where people can walk to, which is which is refreshing as well. People can walk up and, and go to it. It needs to be modernised. I think we, we all know that. I think part of the plans now having taken over having the club having taken over the youth development centre attached to Oriel Park is that we will have a sports science um room which will you know will, will be dedicated to sports science. We'll have a medical room a new medical room which will be dedicated to the you know, the medical facilities for the for the for the physiotherapists and the medical team. And we'll have um video conferencing facilities for for the players, so that's the plan over the next year to sort of get them built, and um, you know, so we want to improve all all of those ancillary facilities yeah. connected to the team. The stadium itself is subject to planning, uh, and and um, you know, they, they've done the, the the they've done an independent um, assessment. They've they've brought in outside people to do an independent assessment of the stadium for the way forward for it. So that will take a little bit of time. But um, these are these are things that um, you know we hope won't hinder us in, in in moving forward as a club. I think uh, we've got a great group of players over the last few seasons. I've been lucky enough. This Dundalk team has been over the last um, four years has been one of the great teams in the in in our football history, and and um, I've been lucky enough to to coach and manage them. And I think um, we've lost some great players as well over the last few years. To the, to the UK and so forth, and other places, and, and certainly um, we've we've signed some younger ones this season uh, who've gained valuable experience. I think uh, like Sean Hoare, Michael Duffy, Jamie McGrath, Dylan Connolly. All of those players are still all under twenty-two. Stephen Kinsel hasn't played that much; he's been injured and just coming back. He's only eighteen. So all of those players, I feel, will be much better next season. Um, and uh, you know, I think um, we're, we're hopefully we can hold on to some of our better players as well. Yeah. Um, there's a common trait between Brian Ferguson, Brian, sorry, Brian Cody, Alex Ferguson, maybe even throw Brian Clough, Graham Henry in there. All great managers. Not all of them won everything every year, but the years that they didn't, they kind of learned from it and they they regenerated, recycled. Use whatever term you want. Is is that? kind of something that, that you're doing this season, which could still be a successful season. Obviously, you still have a cup to fight for, uh, an EA Sports Cup final coming up next week, and probably now at this stage, realistically, second place in the league, which ain't bad, but is it a season where you're kind of looking back and saying, okay, this is what I need to take from this season and move on? Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, <laughs> you've know, like, as you say, you've no, it doesn't matter who you are, you, you know, in terms of club, you've no divine right to win to win anything you have to earn the right to win and it's you know I think the best clubs in, in in the best leagues so the great clubs in Europe they don't win the league every year and certainly we've we've come in in the first year we went close to winning it and we've won it won the, won the league title three years in a row which is Dundalk have never won it two in a row as a club so to win it three in a row was amazing and I think um, um, for us then this season Obviously, we haven't been quite good enough to win it this season. Um, you know, we've had a good, good lot of changes in the in the team, and Cardiff had a, a really exceptional season. And um, you know, but we 
you know, we we're in second place at the moment. We want to finish in second, and uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, we're in the A Sports Cup final, the League Cup final, which was the first trophy we won, and we're very proud of that. And also uh, the FEI Cup this week against Derry, which is a <laughs> big game for both teams. Yeah. It's a mouth-watering tie. Stephen, really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking the call. You're always very generous with your uh, time regards to the media and we really do appreciate it because it's not always the case with people that we deal with in football, rugby, hurling, whatever. So it's it's great to, to actually get decent time with you. Um, congratulations on the new contract and best of luck with Dundalk going forward. Thank you very much, Shane. Thank you. And I really am grateful to Stephen because he really does give a lot of time to the media and we do appreciate it. Uh, this is the SSE or Tricity League podcast on News Talk. Normally, Kevin Doherty is the co-host and he is again this week, but we had a bit of an unusual start because the Stephen Kenny news broke relatively late. Um, Kevin was in to record. We knew at that stage that Stephen had signed the contract, but we didn't know that Stephen would be able to join us on the phone. So obviously when Stephen said he was available, we took him. That just means that basically Kevin is doing the podcast this week without knowing that we did the piece with Stephen Kenny because the Stephen Kenny piece was done after he left. We've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up, including Paul Keegan, Stephen Bradley, John Caulfield, Liam Buckley and Gerard Little. That's coming up very soon. But first, Kevin gave us his thoughts on Stephen Kenny staying. And I repeat, at this stage, he hadn't heard the Stephen Kenny interview. So if he makes a reference to, we're not sure what Stephen thinks, then you know why, because he hasn't heard the piece. Anyway, I'm confusing you. I'm kind of confusing myself. Uh, I put it to Kev that it's a really good day for Dundalk that Stephen Kenny has agreed an extension. That's great news, yeah, because over the last little while, they've um, over the last few seasons even, and then recently they've lost a few players and people were wondering, is this the start of, the, I wouldn't say demise, but them falling away a little bit. They've obviously fallen away a little bit in the league, but I'd say Stephen would be fairly highly sought after, like after um, the European exploits, you know, even not just here, like, Scandinavian countries through mm. Europe you just wouldn't know so to get him tied down and for him to want to, to be tied down to, is a big thing One presumes that if Stephen has agreed to stay it means that Dundalk are investing in facilities and maybe players as well because he referenced bloody Oriel Park when talking about the facilities Rosenberg have as compared to the facilities they have now yeah. he was saying that player wise and squad wise there isn't much difference but but facilities wise there's a chasm and just the way he said it I got a sense he was kind of he was sick of working with what he had in a facility sense and wanted better. So if he signed a new deal, maybe he's going to get what he wants. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I picked up at it straight away myself at the time and, and thought, God, I wonder, is he starting to to be frustrated by being able to compete with these teams on the pitch but not being able to compete with them off it? So you're right, maybe there's there's some investment to be made. Who knows? But whatever they did to convince him to stay. Look, he's obviously very happy there. He's had great success and probably them being so far behind Cork has hurt them a little bit and they'll want to bounce back next year. Yeah, I don't think this season will have done them too much damage because people do understand and I think the squad themselves get it and Stephen probably gets it. Obviously, I'm not in his head, so I'm presuming here that it's very hard to stay at the top all the time, even if you have the best resources. And by League of Ireland standards, they have good resources. But by general footballing standards, they kind of don't. They're still yeah. a bit threadbare. And that's not an insult to him. It's just the way that know, he is. And it is. It it's, it's makes it even harder when you lose your best players. Yeah. Every Constantly. year. Every yeah. year for the last three years. But they still managed to do it. They're not going to do it this year. They were very unlucky in Europe. You see what Rosenborg were almost went through against Celtic as well. It was very it was tight scoreline. So, like, again, they weren't a million miles off. The fact that they were, weren't 10 miles off on the pitch. 
but the other side of it they are a million miles off those European teams and he knows he's going to get the best in Ireland as well because probably okay they can pay pretty well but look at some of the Dundalk players over the last while they've gone straight from Dundalk over to clubs in England and straight into the Ireland squad he's improved guys no ends and when players move there I guess they had that in mind as well they have that kind of ambition that oh, even yeah. if it's to go yeah. beyond Dundalk they'll They'll only do that if they give Dundalk everything and they know that Stephen Kenny will make them a better player. Well, he has a history. Look, he go right throughout the team that he had, that he signed first. Most of them were, were there for a couple of years. He's improved every single one of them. Well, bar one or two, maybe that left him for whatever reason. But like every, the likes, you look at Chris Shields, you look at Dame Massey, mm-hmm. you look at even the last Daryl Horgan that done so well, Andy Boyle, they've all improved under Stephen Kenny. And you, you'd be thinking now of the likes of Dylan Connolly going there and he'd be thinking along those lines yeah. that I go in, work with him, improve. Whether it goes well at Dundalk, it might go a bit further for him as well. The likes, the likes of him, but it's it's a big card for for players to to see what those other players have done. All right, yeah. I may regret saying this as a Cork City fan, but it's kind of good for the league that he's staying around as well because I think if he was lost to the League of Ireland, it would be a bad thing because he's raised the standards, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Well, he's been the best manager in the league over the last few years, so he certainly will be. You don't want to be losing your best players he's only be losing your best managers anything to do with the league and try and keep them here as much as we can he should manage Ireland in the future yeah, shouldn't he well, yeah it will. forgetting teams that would be regarded as, as smaller teams and, and if you translate that into we'd be regarded as probably a smaller nation we're going into big mm. European things he certainly worked wonders with Dundalk and would he, if he was able to transfer that to the international scene that would certainly make a massive difference ok well it's a, it's a good day for Dundalk as we record the news isn't that old Stephen Kenny has signed a new deal thank God he did it just before we recorded it as opposed to just after yeah great isn't it yeah sound I, t- I see I told you I like Stephen Kenny uh, okay still to come Paul Keegan of Waterford United uh, also Liam Buckley of St Pat's John Caulfield of Cork City and uh, Stephen Bradley of Shamrock Rovers but first we're joined by Jessica Farry of extratime.ie among others you'll have also seen her on air sports coverage of the League of Ireland so far this season and excellent coverage it is I might say um, she's going to talk to us about why Sligo are so dry and if she thinks they have a hope of staying up and if Gerard Little is doing a good job, the answer is probably yes, but we'll get more from Jess in a second. Uh, before that, though, here is Gerard Little speaking to Dara Cox of Ocean FM following their one-all draw with St. Pat's at the weekend. They put on Vinnie Faherty. Apparently, he was very unlucky not to score. These the thoughts of the manager. Well, we haven't lost ground and we haven't made it. We need to start making ground, you know, because at the end of the day, we're running out of games. You know, we have eight, eight league games, I think it is, left and, you know, we need to start winning games, you know. We're, we're we're just that her away of, of, of winning games, um, and it's so frustrating for everyone that you know myself, the players, the fans, everyone involved. It's so frustrating that we just can't get that three points. Um, I don't know what we need to do to get it. Uh, I thought we were very comfortable in the first half. Second half, I don't think we um, we 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 come out as as very uh, a tempo that we we set out in the first half um which allowed them to to dictate play a wee bit more so you know we need to we need to learn that that side of the game as well and and manage the game a bit better but like as i say look you can't you can't um justify the the goal the goals it's a, it's a world class goal and as i said at the end you know funny maybe in another day could have got a knocked it first just on the cup game is is what sort of how do you treat that game in, in terms of being a distraction, a good one or a bad one? I don't know really. You know, the boys are obviously we're going to give give them a, a couple of days off because I, I can't felt the effort from the boys. I mean, it's there. You, you can see it. You know, they're they're working extremely hard, and obviously we're just not getting the rub of the green at the minute um, with certain things. But 
you know, in terms of the, the game, you know, it'll probably you know, it'll be an opportunity to, to, to look at one or two different uh, things through it, you know, in terms of systems and formations and, and maybe um, personnel. So, uh, listen, it's, it's, it's a week away, you know, we, we'll um, dust ourselves down, get back to training and, and hopefully go again and, and then say try and get that one. So that's Sligo Rovers manager Gerard Little speaking to Dara Cox of Ocean FM. Football reporter Jessica Farry joins us now. You may have seen uh, Jessica on the air sports coverage of the League of Ireland. Um, God, I said it last week. I'll repeat it uh, again this week. But you can you can explain maybe why Sligo Rovers are the drawiest team in the league rather than me just kind of saying it and leaving it hang there. Um, why they're the draw specialists at the minute? God, it's, it's a good question. They seem to have this inability to win games, even when they're on top or games in which, you know, they're the better team or whatever. Since Jared Little has come in, I mean, if you include the game where he was appointed manager, I know he didn't take charge of the team that day, but I think they've drawn something like nine games since he came in at the end of April, which is pretty insane. Um, they've, they've been good at home, but not good enough to win games. They've been on top in a lot of games. Against Pats the other day, Jared said it himself there in that interview. In the first half, they were so comfortable, completely on top, had some really good chances and just honestly, literally could not hit the back of the net. I know they scored, but when it came to like capitalising on their possession, capitalising on the good play, they just can't do it. And I don't know if it's a mental thing or I don't, I don't know what the problem is, but it just seems to be then they go ahead, they concede a goal and then they don't know what to do to go on and win the game. And it can happen the other way. They can often concede and then it, they'll come back and draw and they can't push on to get the winner. And I don't know what the problem is. Jared himself can't really put his finger on it. And every time it's happened, he's like, I don't know what the problem is. We just can't do it. And nobody seems to know what the problem is. So I don't know how this is turning around with just eight games left. I remember when Dave Robertson left, I was kind of questioning it. Questioning it. Now, I hadn't seen a whole pile of Sligo in my defence, but it seems I was wrong and that the team weren't developing and that people were saying, look, you're saying he was unlucky, but ultimately there was no kind of positive signs that they were growing as a team. Under Little, despite the amount of draws and despite the issues you just said, there does seem to be signs that they are improving, that things are a bit better, that there is a structure. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a structure. I mean, the defensive structure in particular has been one of the main things we've seen improve under Jared Little. As soon as he came in, and I know there's been a few games, obviously, you know, they conceded four against Jerry. They had a few blips along the way, but aside from those, I mean, defensively, they've been really, really good. Michal Schlingerman, he did have a couple of games where he he cost like a rover's points. There's no point of uh, beating around the bush, but he recovered from that so well, and he's been outstanding since. And there's been several games where without him, Limerick away, a few weeks ago in particular, Sligo Rovers probably would have lost the game without him. And, I mean, you look at the back four then, it's been steady. You've got uh, Toby adebayer Erling, Michael Leahy, Kyle Callum-McFadden and Regan Donlan on the left. And they've been really, really good. There's really good cohesion between them. There's good communication. They seem to know what each other is doing. That wasn't there before. And it's one of the main things that Jared has brought in since he's been there. And then, you look attacking-wise, I know they were lacking an awful lot of attacking players when he came in and the team was very one-sided. The, the midfield would have been very defensive and everything with the players he had. But, I mean, they're more confident looking now. They know what they're doing. They know what their game plan is. And although it hasn't worked properly, there has been a huge improvement since Little came in. And that's even before he got his new players in. So, signs should be good. But, you know, eight games left. Time is running out. Hi, Jessica. It's Kevin. How are you, Kevin? How are you? I was just uh, thinking, obviously, now with the uh, the FAI Cup game against Longford coming up this week, we've heard Jared Little talking about trying to get that win or getting just getting that one win. Looking at it, obviously, they're going in against a fourth division team be very hopeful of getting it there and then I was just looking at their fixtures and the next game is at home to Bray which we all know the situation with Bray they have, they've been struggling of late for obvious reasons so 
maybe the science used the cup for trying to get obviously you'd like to progress in the cup but it could be uh, lead on to bigger better things which is main staying in the Premier Division yeah, I think I think that'll be the main aim of the cup game. I mean, he said himself it'll be a welcome distraction in a way from the league. But I mean, on the other side of it, if they can win that game, and he might make a couple of changes, but I know what Jared is like. He'll be going out there with the best team possible. He might shake it up a little bit, give some of the new lads a, a game. But if you can win the Longford game, then it will breed a bit of confidence for Bray. And plus, as you said yourself, Kevin, we know the situation with Bray. We know how things are with them. If you can win that game, it will give them a huge boost, like mentally, because I think that's what they need at the minute. It seems, you know, everything seems to be going against them, and I wouldn't be one to be saying, "Oh, it was the referee," or if the ref, if it was a different referee. But you know, there have been times where things just aren't going their way, and it's something simple, like it could be, "Oh, a throw going against them," or whatever. And while to us it means nothing, but it's, I think it's beginning to play on their minds. So if they can pick up any win at all, it would be a huge boost for them going into a big game against home to Bray, and then they're away to Cork. So they really, really need to be getting something next Tuesday. I think you've hit a really key point about the cup game there before they play that league game on Tuesday, uh, Jessica. He said that he might experiment with formations and he might bring in a couple of players. And while I understand that because the cup obviously is not the priority, a win could just be incalculable, couldn't it? If they could beat Longford. And it sounds to me that if they stick to what they're doing and don't change too much, they probably would beat Longford. So is that what you'd like to see? Not many changes, not many tweaks? Don't kind of yeah, don't yeah, treat this game as, as one you don't have to win it doesn't matter because it kind of does yeah no it kind of, and it matters for more reasons than just the cup itself I mean obviously everybody knows Sligo Rovers attachment with the cup and their love for it and everything but this year at, at this stage it's survival is the only thing that people are thinking of so yeah winning the cup would be nice and everything but if it means that you can bring the new players in give them a chance see how they work with X, Y and Z on the team it's it's very important then and again it's a distraction it's the cup give lads a run out I mean there's some lads there who haven't been getting much game time in the last few weeks give them a run out the new lads a couple of them didn't get didn't get on the other night um, against St. Pat so give them a chance you know you, you can only do, you can only play what's there in front of you you know so we'll see what happens the thing about it is as well is that like the big board is momentum and you can't have any momentum going until you get that first win so Again, you'd like to progress in the cup, but the actual win, winning of the match would hopefully um, snowball effect then and, and lead on to, as I said, better stuff in the league. Yeah, I think that's it, Kevin, because I think we all expected that to happen when they, they beat Shamrock Rovers at home. I mean, that was a huge night. They played so the best they played all year. One one nil. It was a great night because the annual draw raised over €60,000. They beat Shamrock Rovers. Brilliant. Everyone thought this is the moment. This is when it's going to turn around. You know, Flag Rovers are going to be absolutely grand from here. And then they just didn't kick on from there. And I don't I don't know what happened. They just seemed to nearly crumble. And they played away to Derry the next week and they lost 4-0. And Jared Little said after the game, he goes, you know, I think we came here thinking, yeah, we have the points in the bag, you know, and maybe we got a bit ahead of ourselves. And they did. I think they did. That's, that's what the problem was. They have to start being realistic. And I think you're right. A win in the Cup, it doesn't even matter what you're playing in, but a win in the Cup would hopefully then snowball on into the league. And who knows then what happens? I mean, it's a dogfight at the bottom. There's plenty of time left. Anything can happen. Okay, Jessica Farry, thank you for joining us on News Talks SSE Electricity League. And well done on your recent achievement, by the way, of being one of the very few reporters who got in and out safely from North Korea. <laughs> thank you very much. So that's the situation with Sligo, who got a draw with St. Pat's last week. Well, they were at home, so I don't think you'd say got a draw. You'd say they got a draw and mean it in a positive way if it was away, but it's at home. So I guess they would see it as two points lost and I suppose it's the best way to look at it. It's the fairest way to look at it. Well, maybe, but like Pats have been going into the game in really good form. I think they've won three in the spin, so 
team coming in that form, you're you're struggling down the bottom of the league. Yeah. Probably a point is, is a decent enough result. Although I think uh, Fardy had a chance just at the end they could have uh, took it for them, so nicked it for them. So uh, they'd probably be disappointed enough, but I think a point was a, a decent enough result for them. Now, Evil Kev came out on Twitter last week when a St. Pat supporter quizzed us on why we didn't talk more about St. Pat's and the transfer business that they had done. Because last week's podcast was all about the good and bad business done in the transfer window. Some clubs, clubs did no business and that can be a good or a bad thing but we debated that in depth last week. Now we did talk about Pats an awful lot in the previous weeks because they had actually done their business long before yeah. the closing few yeah. days but the fact that they did get this draw and the fact that so many of those new signings did feature has given us a good excuse to talk about St. Pat's. Yeah. It also shows that if you complain at us we do listen. We, listen, yeah. I know, I, we I, won't I, admit that we're wrong no, but. but we will listen. No, but I, I think, as I said, the reason we didn't speak about them last week yeah. was because, they, as you said, they did their business very early. Um, they've all their, their new signers. I commented at the time about the, the centre half bulk and Killian Brennan being making such a difference in the in the Bray game, which they won. The other lads have come in. Garvin's back now as well. Ian Turner, Paulo Connor, like they've yeah. actually done really, really well the transfer window. Albeit they've just lost their goalkeeper. Yeah, Conor O'Malley is gone. That's a big loss. He's a decent stopper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's been excellent. He's a really, really big future ahead of him. Um, he's one of the better keep, one of the best keepers in the league. I still think Shane Supple is the is the best goalkeeper in the league. But uh, mm-hmm. the young upcoming goalkeeper Conor O'Malley definitely he saved them a lot. Even up in Drada, last minute save. You see the other the last week against Sligo, he made a save in the last couple of minutes. So they've replaced him. They brought in a, a, a lad from Poland. So we and they, and they obviously have Barry Murphy there as well. So you would like to think that they'll. Uh, they'll do yeah. okay, and uh, but it's not ideal, is it? Because if those guys were better than what they already had, O'Malley, they would have yeah. been playing ahead of O'Malley, and they weren't. So it means that they are now in a weakened position. Yeah. Although Barry Murphy is a very decent stopper, and he's very experienced as well. Yeah. And so we don't know anything about the lad. But the thing about it is, um, with Pat's again, we spoke about why why Galway or Limerick might have let players go. You just don't know. Like they they obviously got a decent offer. He had three months left in his contract. Yeah. Look, I, I know for a fact they got decent money yeah, for him and did, they couldn't refuse it, to be fair. Yeah, and as I said, yeah. the, he, he'd only three months left in his contract. Now, there would have been compensation due because he's, he's he's under 23. But had he have gone to just say, I've, I won't even name a club, an Irish club uh, at the end Celtic. of the... Celtic. Con- <laughs> don't go there again. A League of Ireland club a is League what you mean. A League of Ireland yeah. club, yes. Uh, if he had gone there, say, next season, they had made him a decent offer. Pats, although they would have got compensation, it wouldn't have been anything yeah. like if he had went uh, to England. No, it was the wise move from St. Pat's. Anyway, they got a draw up in Sligo last week. It was actually a very decent result when you consider that Sligo is quite a tough place to go, even though they've been drawing an awful lot. But I'll stick to my cliched thought process on this, that any draw away from home, or most draws away from home, are a good thing. Uh, this is what the manager, Liam Buckley, had to say to Ocean FM's Dara Cox afterwards. You, you started Paul O'Connor tonight, and uh, I guess that's a trio of July transfer window signings in the middle of the park. Um, has that reinvigorated your side? Uh, certainly they've made him obviously McKinney Brent's made an impact he's been playing for the last month uh, that's almost first start really played down in Cork and was unfortunately sent off um, and obviously Paul's first start tonight but killing some particularly well for us uh, in the last month and I hope they all continue with that sort of form So there you go Dara tried on our behalf to get into the new signings with Liam but he didn't really sound like he wanted to get into it sounded a bit irritated to only get a draw Yeah well I was looking at the highlights and they, they were probably unlucky with the chances Colin Bourne hits the Hits the bar with a great strike, and and they had a few ch- few other chances that they probably should have scored. So, look, as I said, they've been on such a good run that you'd have been going down there full of confidence. Again, you're playing a team down there, so you would have been looking for the three points. But look, it might prove to be a very valuable point in the end. Well, it's funny you should mention Conan Byrne because he was part 
of the SSE Electricity League Facebook page live coverage of the EA Sports Cup uh, semi-final on Monday night, Bank Holiday Monday. Shamrock Rovers beating Cork City by one goal to nil. Uh, James Duna came on, 19 years old. Yeah, cool player, Got the yeah. winner late in the game, very late in the game. I had my little penalties diagram drawn out. I knew by yeah. doing that I was jinxing it. <laughs> I also knew that because I was there, Shamrock Rovers were going to win because as Stephen yeah, Bradley yeah. would admit yeah. and has said it several times, Settled anytime I'm there... Yeah. Rovers win and I wasn't at their last two games and they lost well that must be it so. I think they need to stick me on a retainer yeah, that's sure. all I'm saying although would I be able to take money from Rovers of all the clubs in Ireland as a Cork City fan anyway. yeah no absolutely I would I just I'd try and keep it hidden uh, anyway we spoke to Stephen Bradley after the game and I put it to him that beating Cork is a big deal regardless of the competition because they had come close maybe once or twice, but they also had received a bit of a tanking in Turner's Cross, even though they actually played well for large parts of that game, according to Bradley. Uh, but anyway, I, I asked him what it meant to beat Cork. Yeah, I think it's massive for the group. Like you said, I don't I don't think the competition matters whether it's League Cup. Both teams are full strength. So uh, it showed how serious both teams took the game. And uh, I felt, us as a group, we haven't been a million miles away from Cork when we played them head-to-head this year. Uh, I know the scorelines are down there, down there suggested different, but I've always felt that we are very, very close to, to uh, turning them over. And tonight, uh, I just felt we were excellent. I know they got man sent off, but I thought we were really good. Stephen Bradley, the Shamrock Rovers manager, speaking to News Talks SSE or Tristy Lee podcast. He's not wrong. They were good, but they were against 10 men for most of the game. And ultimately, they couldn't break them down over the 90. So, as I said to John Caulfield after the game, it's actually quite a positive result when you think about it, even though it's a first away loss you still held a team with very decent players out for over 45 plus a half an hour, 75 plus another maybe 5, 10 minutes, yeah, about 80 time. minutes, about 80 minutes. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's I not bad. They did, and they kept their shape very well. And, yeah. and a lot of the time you could see Rovers getting frustrated and, and taking shots from goal from 30 yards and so on. They did do okay, but uh, look, Rovers ground them out in the end. It was great for doing it to get the goal at the end. was a Good atmosphere. I actually watched the game on Facebook. I thought it was very good. Good service. I said at the yeah, time. Good coverage. Colin did well. Kieran Crowley, who was doing the commentary, yeah, did well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah, no, it was good. And, and it was decent footage. Like, you could actually see the game, watch the yeah. game. Like, it wasn't like some of the ones that you might look at. Some streams. That some of the dodgy streams you check out. I, yeah. But, uh, I assume you mean football keep related. On, keep going, keep going. Um, people listen to this, you know. Not, so, not enough. Few, few people. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to get more people to listen. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it was very good. And, and, and the game itself... They, they ground them down, Roberts. They played well enough. And it's, as Stephen Brady and, and you said there, it is important that they beat Cork yeah. because they were c- close enough to them earlier in the season. The massive point difference would show that they're not close enough to Cork. But in, in the in the game at the start of the season, Stephen Brady thought they had the, the better of it. But you're a manager. I mean, do players go in for what he just said there? Do they buy it? Because they know... They were up against 10 men for a long time and they didn't create too many clean-cut chances. Yeah. It's, because it's not like they were getting directly in a goal and creating chance after chance after chance. They like had they a few chances. Top, I thought they were on yeah. top. But, but they were on top against 10 game. men and still couldn't make that count. So no, but look, sometimes that yeah. happened. Cork yeah. kept the shape very well. Do you well. still take the confidence from beating Cork? I, I think, well, look, because they're so far ahead of everyone else, to, to beat them if they had five men would would be good because you'd just be happy to beat them and have that one because the next time they play them in the league or whatever if they could end up getting them in the FEI Cup or anything like that mm. they will have that at least they will know we, we've beaten these never mind they had 10 men teams go out and win with 10 men all the time like it, sometimes you keep your shape like, like yeah. Cork did very well he might hit you on the break but they didn't allow that in fairness to Rovers and I thought they, they deserved to win 
How much did Rovers need this victory in general? Because they'd lost their last two games at home against Bowles and Derry. Yeah, I thought it was a big win for them because they'd been going well. They, they, they got through the round in Europe, then they were beaten, then they were beaten by Bowles, which was a massive one. Mm. Then they were poor against uh, Derry from what I saw. I thought, I thought it was poor enough. But to go out, as we said, 10 men or not, beat Cork, get into a cup final, possible silverware yeah. for them. Like, you know, it's been a while. So, like, a few years. So, you would like to think that They'll take the positive. They're in a cup final. They can At home? That. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, I think most of the League Cups have been in, in talent and fairness. But, uh, look, they're, they're playing Dundalk, which is going to be a, another tough one for them. But they've gone and beaten Dundalk as well, not so long ago. So, again, they'll have that at the back of their minds. We've beaten these now, so we can, we can do it again in the League Cup final. Yep, and at Dundalk with, a, I won't say refreshed Stephen Kenny in charge, but they've solidified his position as we spoke about in depth earlier on he has signed a new deal right this is what John Caulfield had to say after the last two Rovers their first domestic away loss of the season Alan Bennett was sent off about six or seven minutes before half time and no one is quite sure why because it didn't happen on camera and that's not to have a go at the uh, TV service the SSE or Tricity League uh, cameraman because it was off camera it was off the ball the incident even in the press box we were like what went on and there was a lot of kind of guessing as opposed to yeah, anyone saying you can assume something that, that, that yeah. the Lions man or yeah well anyway John Caulfield spoke to Alan Bennett in the changing room about it and got a bit of detail this is what he had to say about the incident and also the fact that Bennett could miss three games through suspension I wouldn't have expected anything different and and, uh, and all the boys in there in the panel they're, they're great lads they're gutted after the game because they give everything and uh, that's the way it goes and just move on to the next game and you know we're still in a good position you know with the cup game on Saturday and uh, but we are disappointed tonight but I think overall you see the sending off changed the game and you know and the sending off where we feel wasn't a sending off. Yeah. That's disappointing then because it ruins the game and, and particularly when you have two top teams in the crowd and a decent crowd that want to see, you know, 11 v 11 a cup semi-final. You don't want to see, you know, silly sending offs and uh, we're disappointed over that because uh, Alan Bennett is adamant and, um, you know, and we see the video and he looks as if it's yeah. a bad decision. So we have to, you know, that's yeah. just the way it goes. And yeah, the bad thing is, is that you could miss Alan for about three games because I think it was a straight red. Well, yeah, we'll just have to d- discuss it and, and talk about it and, and, and see when they... Uh, the discipline come up because uh, we'll have to get uh, stuff together because he's an exemplary man and a fantastic player in his career. He doesn't he doesn't get sent off and uh, and we've seen recently how much you miss him when he isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, the, but the lads are still done great. He, you know, he's missed a lot of games. Like he won in Europe without him, but at the same time, it is disappointing. But the more important thing is that basically, uh, you know, uh, we feel he's an innocent man after being sent off, and that's and and I think. Uh, Oh, Dave Webster was a good lad but I think he played a bit of silly buggers and hit the ground hit the deck quickly yeah. there was nothing there so we, we've looked at the video and it looks it looks very um, disappointing that there certainly was it, it, there was nothing that Alan Bellin did and he said it so yeah. you know but the, unfortunately it's a cup semi-final and he is sent off so you can't change the result and that's yeah. what's disappointing so but look at good luck to Rovers they won the game at the end and uh, the bottom line is they're in a final and you know a big club like this they need to be challenging in finals and good luck to them and um, you know we'll move on to the cup on, on Saturday and just before I let you go I was watching highlights of Shawnee playing for Preston over the weekend yeah. it reminded me of the scene in Bridget Jones where she's kind of listening to Can't Live If Living Is Without You as a City fan I'm sure many of us were feeling that Conor Ellis and Campion those guys they've got to step up but is it about kind of not just stepping up on the pitch stepping up off it because I imagine Shawnee was a voice in the dressing room he was a leader in the dressing room look at we've moved on we're yeah. a different team now we've known that for the last couple of months and the young fellas coming through like the Conor McCarthy's Ryan Delaney's like Conor Ellis's yeah. and all those fellas will step up and be tremendous players you know for, for us and uh, that, 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 that's, that, that's where it's about so you know as I keep saying you, you know you move on you know 
obviously we won a couple of games we won Friday night we beat yeah. Galway the, the previous Friday I were disappointed tonight but we move on to the cup game on, on, on Saturday This is News Talks SSE or Tricity Lee podcast and that was Cork City manager John Caulfield I got a little bit confused in that interview she wasn't actually singing Can't Live If Living Is Without You in that scene she was singing all by myself but Can't Live If Living yeah. Is Without You was used in that movie at some point I think maybe when she was singing karaoke Okay, it's a damn good movie do you like the Bridget Jones movies? I've seen them well I haven't seen the last one but neither have I Bridget Jones baby that's the one Don't imagine having <laughs> imagine having the choice between Dr. McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy and Colin Firth that's an impossible decision to make like. it is yeah we keep going back to the football please I'm going to have to open up at some stage Kev you come in here every week stony face not talking to me <laughs> Sometimes you seem so cold and distant. Anyway, what about Cork City? Uh, Alan Bennett, a huge loss. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and look, and as you put it to John Caulfield, he he, he was missed when he wasn't there, so he's he's not going to be there again. Look, the reality is that their business is done. Like, they've, yeah, they've eight points to the title. Yeah, like, exactly. So without him, going back to the other two, going to Preston, without them, they would have to. It would have to be an absolute disaster for them not to go on and. and do the league and win the league which was their main aim I'm sure at the start of the season so they will miss them but I'm sure they'll, they'll survive and just get through to the end of the season and you saw it yourself on Tuesday night I was at the game you watched it on Facebook live when McCarthy came in he did really well because they had to sacrifice Conor Ellis another yeah. young player who was going okay up to that point from coming he, off, yeah. yeah he was feeding off scraps but it wasn't that you're playing bad you're coming off it was that look we have to put Shepard up on his own he's strong enough to do it you're probably a bit young, young for yeah, yeah, yeah. at the moment uh, give him another season he'll be very I've strong seen him, I've seen him be playing yeah. even when he was at Cove as well like, yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's, he's sprightly. a prospect yeah. yeah he's decent but anyway McCarthy came in because they needed to replace Bennett at the back and him and Delaney did incredibly well yeah two young lads as well and, and I suppose Delaney will be more experienced now having played in the league for a few years and then even been in England for a little while um, so, so supposedly there's very high hopes for McCarthy I haven't seen loads of them so I, I, I don't know but yeah they, they seem to do well enough against and, and Shaw was playing and who has been doing well so they, they seem to do well enough yeah and um, is it important that they end the season well and I know that sounds like a really dumb question but what I mean there is if they kind of limp home from here and get the eight points, does it, and maybe they go out of the cup, does it kind of make a difference going into next season or do you need to kind of push on from here? No, I think, no? look, win the league, just win it, yeah. win it as early as possible and then do whatever you want, like, you know, yeah. whether they they win their last eight games or last three or four games, who cares once they won the league? I know you, you prefer to. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, you'd like to say about bit of momentum going into next season but the next season doesn't there for like how many months yeah. afterwards so and who knows, knows who you exactly. will or won't have yeah. exactly. you, might, so you mightn't have Delaney just get go back the, to Burton exactly yeah. Yeah. just get the business done and look they will so whether they have a said Bennett or the other two lads they'll get the business done and they will be bullying for that cup tie on Saturday night won't they because they'll be desperate to do the double oh yeah yeah a way to Bray by the way particularly after what well, they've sort of in some ways well in a lot of ways been in Dundalk shadow for the last few years so yeah getting that win in the cup final it's funny now going back to the momentum thing getting that win in the cup final last year may have carried on into to this year you know yeah. so maybe they do need to finish the, the season right well so up. you could actually be completely wrong on your own point yeah well, yeah, well like you know I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to big look, you up here that's the thing about football isn't it if, if they don't start well next season having limped home this season if that's the way it happens yeah. that's what people would blame it doesn't necessarily mean that's yeah, the reason you start badly it's going just, back to my yeah. original point it's so far off and it could be a, yeah. a couple, like you said three or four different players cup final might be a bit different because it's a massive big occasion and, and yeah. it was, it was, the reason that carried in was because it was very important for them like I said about Shamrock Road they to get some silverware so they'll obviously do the league this year 
whether they could do the double or not remains to be seen. Yeah. Now, do you know where I went last Friday night? I don't, do I? I went along to Cabin Teeley versus Waterford. A no, one-all draw in the first division. Waterford actually didn't play particularly well there. But I went along because I was curious to see how they were playing, what kind of team they are. Uh, Paul Keegan, who is now three or four games into his Waterford sojourn, a very experienced guy, played with Doncaster, played with Bowes, had a good career in England, had a good career in Ireland before he went to England. Now he's back at the age of uh, 33. And he just adds a little bit of steel in the middle. And it's funny because about halfway through the first half, they'd gone one down. Waters had got the goal for Cabin Teeley. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not sure Keegan's doing much here. Next thing, wins a ball in the middle. Sprays a be- and it was a tough ball to win, but he won it. You know, typical hard man tackle. Got up, looked out to the right, passed it out to the right, cross in, Marky Sol header, boom, one all. Yeah. Now they didn't play yeah. particularly brilliantly after that, but they never really looked under threat, and they're probably going to do enough to get up and, and win the first division. So I just thought to myself, ah, that's why he's been brought in. Ah, yeah, but he 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 is like a ball winner, and as you say, he's a tough player, a tough man as well. But he he's a good player. Mm. And it's funny, the amount of goals they've seen Waterford a good few times this year, the amount of play that they win back, get it wide and get the balls in the box, and then you have, as you say, O'Sullivan and you have McDade and all playing as well. Yeah. So they get a lot of the goals crossed into the box. And McLean, and of course then they have uh, Heaney from Rovers on loan, so they're a very solid squad, a very big squad, a very good squad. Anyway, after that game I caught up with Paul Keegan, because I was curious about why he chose Waterford. Uh, because he, he would have had options I'm he sure he did have options yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I know a couple of clubs in the Premier Division that were after him yeah, well, and that doesn't surprise me because even though I thought at the start maybe he was a bit quiet Waterford now as a team weren't playing particularly well but boy was I wrong because as I mentioned he created he did an indirect assist as I'll call it and then after that controlled the game But so I put it to him that of the options he had why did he take Waterford? Uh, to be honest with you, like I'm a new path in, and you know from uh, from my days at Bowes and uh, I knew things would be right down here you know they want to play they want to pass the ball um, obviously in a good position like you know and obviously the priority is just to get up into the Premier Division so um, you know I was happy to come down you know with Rennie as well here as a gaffer and you know he's he's doing a great job here like and I just wanted to help out and try and get them over the line and I guess if there's two guys who like a tough tackling midfielder who can pass the ball it's 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 not Ian Allen <laughs> yeah absolutely you know they, they've they been there they've done it themselves like you know so uh you know I think you know if I can help in any way you know that's what I'm here to do you're a very experienced guy so do you bring your experience as part of your role here when you're on the pitch as well as off it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, talking and organising, I think, in the, to be honest, the position I play in that deepest midfield role, you can see everything and you should be talking to everyone and, you know, you can see everything in front of you, so you organise them around you and it makes everyone else's job a bit easier. Is it a hard balance to find when you're kind of dealing with young lads? Because there's a lot of this Waterford team are quite young. You want to encourage them, but you also kind of want to let them know what's what. Yeah, absolutely, I think. But there's some good players there, you know what I mean? Young John Martin in there, you know, has been doing very well recently. And, you know, and obviously got, like, Shane O'Connor, a lot of experience. Um, Gary's been in beside me, you know, we've young Macker on the bench as well, like, dying for a game. And um, I think there's some good players there. And, uh, you know, they're listening, they're learning all the time. And, you know, I'll, I'll learn off them as well. I know it's a bit of a cliched question when a player has been out of the league for a while and comes back in, but what do you make of it from what you've seen and from the, the games you've played in? It's been good. I think um, most of the teams are trying to play, they're trying to pass it, trying to move, you know, do the right things, and that can only be encouraging for people coming to watch the games. Um, you know, I think people are trying to 
to, to put on a bit of a, a show, like try and pass the ball, play the right way. And you know, fans coming to games like that will, will come back instead of just like lumping the ball and playing long ball. I think them days are gone. And you can actually see that with the clubs. There's there's structures to the clubs now. And whatever the clubs you're at now actually have a decent structure. They're under 17s and they're under 19s are very decent. And that actually helps the senior team, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know you have to have a, a type of philosophy in any club, and I think you know Pat has come in and he's trying to put some good young lads in. But obviously in the under 17s, 19s, you want to get them playing and passing. So when they come in and they play in the first team, they're ready to go. Um, you know that's that's the criteria. I think you know for a lot of the clubs, and I think most of the teams are doing it in the first division and in the Premier Division. I know it's a first division club, but it doesn't feel like a first division club, Waterford, does it? I mean, away from home tonight, a huge support, and they never stop singing throughout the game. And I'm led to believe it's pretty much the same in any match they've played this season yeah absolutely they've been uh, they've been great since I've come in you know so uh, they've uh, you know really got really get us going and all the rest of it like so you know if there's more fans that come to the games the better and you know Waterford have a, have a, have a great fan base and you know going to be beneficial for uh, for the club going forward what would promotion with Waterford mean to you at this stage of your career having achieved an awful lot both at home and abroad um, I, to be honest I just want to do well win things you know what I mean you look back on the your career when it finishes and you look about what you've won and what you've done so you want to just keep winning things keep doing well keep winning games and, and keep getting better have you found that maybe sometimes the pace is for a more experienced man sometimes a bit hotter or are you able to handle it is it something you enjoy still how, how are you finding that uh, no to be honest with you, you know people are like you have a lot of young lads playing and you know yeah. in, in the first division so they're they're in your face they're ratting about you <laughs> but that's that's only make you a better player like you got to yeah. play quick and you've you know you got to play sharp and you know it'll only improve me as a player so uh I enjoy it and now once I'm playing games I'll be happy. Nothing you haven't seen or heard before I'm sure. Absolutely sure I was I was doing that once myself like <laughs> so uh, I know all about it and look them young lads are trying to make a career in the game and they've got to do everything they can to, to impress and do well and you know good luck to them. And they seem to be confident young lads as well which is a really good sign. Yeah definitely I think uh, I think the standard of football is like I think it's come up I think there's a lot of young lads playing and I think uh, through, the, through the underage systems everyone wants to pass and play now and, and get better so I think the lads coming into the league are technically better players and they can only do better. A good point raised by Paul there in the uh, interview it's no surprise that Alan Reynolds and Pat Fennan kind of like a tough tackling midfielder like himself and a good man to play the ball around as well which Rennie and Nutty were. Yeah. yeah yeah, the two of them were in fairness. No I, I, I look he said probably final piece of jigsaw for them to go on and win the title and if they can keep him there next season it really kind of sets them up as a strong team and have a strong presence in the middle well he would assume that that was the talk when they were like they're talking to him I'm sure he wasn't just coming back to play in the first division for a couple of months like yeah. you would imagine that some sort of uh, discussions were had about we go up and then see what happens next year yeah Paddy Barrett played uh, on Friday night as well it was his first game since going on loan from Dundalk and while we're not sure it, it would make sense if he was to go to Waterford if they went up because he is if a Waterford up, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, He's been well, there when they go up. Yeah, well, yeah. well, look, they Cove came a couple of points on them at the weekend, so look, yeah. it's only seven points now, so you just never know. Okay, uh, that's the Stephen Henderson. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, look, press office speaking there. Yeah, is it? Well, you never know. Yeah, we had Stephen on the show last week, the Cove manager, and he was very interesting on structures and how clubs fund themselves and. And, you know, how hard it is when there's only one spot out of the first division. It's worth a listen if you want to go back on it. Well, that's it for this week. Well done again to Stephen Kenny. He has signed a new contract with Dundalk and he's staying on with them as Kevin and I spoke about in depth earlier on. It's just such a great day for Lily White supporters, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a big one, yeah.
Okay, how do we get you on uh, Twitter throughout the week, Kev? How do we abuse you about what you didn't talk about this week as opposed to what you did? Well, you can abuse me about both if you want, but it's at KevDoc5. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. That's it for this week. Enjoy Cup Weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.